this issue of Nerdcraft Nation, we're joined by Shiva Nagarajan to discuss Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, or Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Yeah, 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 it's that second one. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. All right, yeah. They really had to change that, didn't they? Marketing. I'm Chris Walker, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. This is Nerdcraft Nation, and I'm your host, Christopher Walker, and joined by today, Austin Hall. Hello. Jose Lopez. Hello, everyone. And Brandon Kessley. Hello. And our special guest today, Shiva Nagarajan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. And we're going to talk today about Birds of Prey and the, I'm sorry, I'm going to read this full title out loud because I find it beautiful. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which dropped in February, and I guess it's basically done with its distribution at this point, seeing as how coronavirus has killed a lot of things, including a lot of movie a lot of movie debuts and box offices, but effectively dropped February 7th, and it's made close to $200 million against a budget of an estimated 82 to $100 million. So pretty good numbers. Did decently well. So what did you guys think of the movie? Fantabulous. 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 Absolutely fantabulous. Um, I liked it. I'd be surprised if you didn't because I saw you a little, not shifty. I went and I saw it with Shiva, Jose, and Austin, and I do not think I ever saw any of them look disappointed while watching it. Uh, (laughs) Austin, did you have a favorite part? Huh, that's a good question. I'll tell you this. I really liked whenever they brought up the breakfast sandwich, because even though they made it clear that the cheese was six months gone bad, I still wanted that goddamn sandwich. That would be my favorite part. She was selling it. Like, honestly, I agree. I wanted that sandwich after a while there. Uh, Jose, how about you? I think for me, my favorite part is the part where Harley was at the club and it was and Doja Cat's boss bitch was playing. That was a really good scene that I just loved, like the visuals and the soundtrack and company to it. And also just when Ewan McGregor put his black mask on. That's all I wanted. Fair enough, fair enough. Brandon? So my favorite part is actually when a journey smollett bell first her first scene in the club when she's singing right before they have the whole interaction with her and harley talking about the breakup where she's like singing you know this is a man's world i thought i really like that sequence someone's got pipes oh well thank you oh yeah he's been having pipes oh this I, is... I thought austin meant journey some bell mm. yeah i was gonna did, did clarify it until Brandon understood, so I'm glad. <laughs> we, we would hope. <laughs> Shiba, how about you? I think my favorite part was, well, I guess my favorite aspect of the movie was how every time she encountered somebody who was 
some beef, she had some beef from her past, they would literally type all the words on the screen showing the list of things that that person had against her. But out of all of those, my funniest, which is also probably my favorite part of the movie, was whenever it said one of the reasons Black Mask hates her was because she voted for Bernie. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I forget about that all the time. Yeah. Wait, does this mean that Roman was for either Trump or Hillary? I'm going to say Trump. He seems more like the Trump kind of guy. He, he was he was definitely not Bernie. <laughs> I know that. He could have been a libertarian. You don't know. He could have. I can see him voting for Biden. I could see that. I could see that very easily. So <sighs> what did you guys think of the plot, which basically was surrounded by the idea of young pickpocket Cassandra Kane stealing a diamond from Zazis and swallowing it after she's arrested. So Harley tries to help her out and get the diamond back and make sure she doesn't die. Uh, as well, Holly Quinn is basically trying to not drown her sorrows, but recover from her breakup with the Joker. I think it had a very zigzag type of plot, which yeah. is extremely hard to pull off, but they pulled it off beautifully. And I think a big part of the reason why they were able to do that was the cinematography and the way they told the story. I mean, the backstory was cartoons. And through that, you're able to get caught up very quickly, whether you knew who Harley Quinn was or not. The fact that they had kind of that Tarantino thing where they start the movie and then they go backwards and then they go again. Unlike Tarantino movies, it didn't feel contrived and it was very well put together. So I think the strongest point, well, there, there are many strong points, but one of the strongest points is the fact that whether you knew about Harley Quinn from the beginning or you're, you're being introduced to Harley Quinn in this movie, you'll understand who Harley Quinn is. And that's, I think, its biggest, one of its biggest achievements. I agree with that. Yeah, I think this movie really gave you a good sense of who Harley Quinn was as a character. And I don't think we've seen that outside Batman the Animated Series other than the new Harley Quinn show. So I thought the movie did a great job in showing us all of Harley Quinn, which I guess is why I have trouble finding why they named the movie Birds of Prey when it should have really just been Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Because... This was a Harley Quinn movie, first and foremost. She was the star of the movie, the center of attention. The whole movie kind of revolved around her, and then she getting tangled with whatever happened with Cassandra Kane and Roman. But yeah, Margot Robbie did a fantastic job here, and really outdid herself from her previous work in Suicide Squad. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with that. Also, you talked about the zigzagging plot a bit. I kind of had to... That's actually my only point of criticism of the movie. The film was such a really straightforward plot. I mean, it's it's effectively like John Wick meets Suicide Squad in a lot of ways. But with such a very straightforward plot, it felt like a lot of the storytelling ended up being really choppy, which I, I guess could be, you know, characteristic of the fact that it's Harley Quinn telling the story to begin with, you know, and that could be that could be like a, a point in the creative category or, or a point in the lazy category, however you want to take it. But, you know, other other than that, I, I, I think it was a really charming film and I really enjoyed the the cast i kind of wish that rosie perez wasn't renee montoya but that's another discussion i feel yeah on the um the zigzagginess being a product of the character because harley quinn is kind of an all over the place character i don't i don't know if she has like multiple personality disorder or something like that but her personality tends to jump from point to point to point very quickly in emotional states so i think that having a zigzaggy plot line 
for a movie about this character works very well in that case. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that being the weakest point. I, I found that one of the strengths of this movie was the fact that even though this movie is born from Suicide Squad, it openly divorces itself from Suicide Squad. Like, this movie clearly wants nothing to do with that, but it also recognizes that it happened and that it involved that. And it divorces itself from Joker very early on. So you know that uh, Jared Leto is not showing up in this movie throwing old condoms at people and used dildos. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, we get the plus side of no Jared Leto in this Thank movie. God. Probably going forward. Yeah. Honestly, I've never seen someone just destroy their career faster. But you well, know. don't worry. He'll be back. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's no. right. He's playing Morbius. He got Morbius. Yeah. Yeah. Not even, oh, not even right, that. That's true. He's Jared Leto. He'll be fine. Even if he didn't get Morbius, he'd find God knows what. He yeah. He can still get to Mars in 30 seconds. He's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 30 seconds to Mars dropping another album that nobody wants. I fucking hate Jared Leto. <laughs> he <laughs> wanted <laughs> I think that should be enough of an I think he just blocked that out of his memory that he won an Academy Award. I also still don't understand how he won that Academy Award, but I think that that more or less has to do with transphobia, if I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah, because that's what he won an award for. He was playing like a transgender character in Dallas Wise Club. Yeah, who has HIV. And on the other side of that, though, is the fact that I bet you anything, if you went and you got a trans person to play that role and they did as well as he did, they would not win. Yep, you're right. yeah yeah probably sad truth is still true back to the movie at hand birds of prey i had a question for all of you but did you have a plot point that you liked or did you like the plot at all or uh no i like the plot a lot i will say that kind of what you guys were talking about with the plot going all over the place kind of especially in the first half of the movie kind of flashbacks flash forwards disjointed timeline and things like that somebody uh, i forget which one of you now somebody mentioned how it's largely because of the character of harley quinn But I also think it's because of the characters themselves throughout the movie because the movie is less of a time-based movie, at least in the beginning, and more of a character-based movie. So I feel like what they did in the first half and why it was all out of order in terms of the, like, chronology was because each time they introduced a new character, like one of the main five characters, obviously, they would, like, kind of do a flashback to introduce that character. So I feel like that's the reason that that it was kind of disjointed there was to kind of introduce each of the five characters and their backstories one at a time. Now, I actually liked it. I know I don't a couple of you didn't like it actually brandon but i actually at least for me it really helped me and i'll add that it might be also because i'm not a huge dc guy like I, I don't know a lot of these characters like i obviously know harley quinn but like for the rest of them like this might be only the first or second time i'm hearing or watching something with some of these characters in it so maybe i'm coming from a totally different perspective from you guys but from that perspective it really helped me that they introduced each character one at a time even if the chronology was out of order as a result so i, I guess that's my take on that part of it that's fair that's fair again I, I'm, I'm not saying that i necessarily hate it. it is something that they did in Suicide Squad to a, to an extent as well. Unfortunately, in Suicide Squad, it also just did a huge info dump on everyone at the beginning of the movie. But for this one, it's like for me, it, it felt like that choppiness a bit just kind of disrupted the flow of the film because you're like you're really in the groove. You're just like, oh yeah, you're getting in there, you're getting in the action, and all of a sudden, like like you bring in a new character. Yeah, that's cool, and we understand that people need to understand who they are. But it did feel like it kind of it literally paused the movie to rewind and then play out an entire full sequence 
and then come back to it and then come back to like the present time where they're dealing with the task at hand it, it, it felt like it like a very abrupt it, it's kind of give or take for me yeah that makes sense i get that out of curiosity brandon how many well i guess this is for everyone how many times does did everyone see the movie i saw it twice you saw it twice okay yeah i saw it again recently i, I saw, saw it just it once recently yeah so it seems like everyone saw it twice except me i only saw it that one time with you guys at the beginning of february i think it's available on streaming right now also i actually was 50 50 on the flashback for the plotline thing but i was 50 50 because i don't like jumping back to jump forward like giving you an explanation to jump forward but the thing that they kept doing was they kept more or less doing that when they were adding characters into it so it's kind of like building a sauce or building a stew you got to go you got to throw things in there gradually you don't just put all the ingredients in as once unless you're making an instant pot then you're fine fair enough well i guess it depends on how you took it i don't know i think i think for me the reason why i liked disjointed plot was because for a dc movie it was just different because every dc movie we've gotten outside of the good ones which is wonder woman and aquaman give or take it was it was brighter it was lighter and it wasn't your stereotypical superhero origin story it was a breath of fresh air and i think the zigzaggy disjointed plot for me added to that that's fair that's yeah fair. just like just like the quirkiness of the whole movie as a whole yeah yeah i actually this is a question that i've had would you count this as an origin story sort of i would for yes the other no. characters yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah not as much for harley quinn i guess like we do get a little bit of the origin of her side on the cartoon end but i think it is more of an origin story for like the birds of prey themselves yeah using and harley I guess right yeah and i guess rightly so since the movie's called birds of prey yeah. kind of but it almost doesn't make sense to me jose i actually want to go back to something you said earlier where you mentioned that the title of the movie should have been harley quinn birds of prey which is yeah actually what they changed it to in week number two after it did badly in week number one how about just harley quinn like no joke the birds of prey the first time anybody says the words birds of prey in the whole movie is the, literally the very end like last five minutes when they say that they're making the birds of prey and renee when montoya quits the cops so like they kind of make the birds of prey at the end so it almost seems to me like the birds of prey are just supporting characters in this movie uh, they're not even created till the end of the movie and the movie could have just been called harley quinn literally just harley quinn and it might have done better i, I no joke that's how i feel about this yeah i i kind of have to agree with you on that one shiva i think you know as, as a, both a comic fan and just a, a fan of like superhero and like comic book mediums like um the movies and stuff it is kind of weird to have a birds of prey movie that is quote unquote that is so dominated by a character that's not one of the birds of prey because the characters in the birds of prey are like you know it's typically black canary bat girl or oracle depending on whether or not barbara is uh, in a wheelchair or not huntress a couple other characters as well i think katana was part of it at some point i think nightwing yeah, technically katana's joined a, yeah. katana's a bird of prey at one point yeah i don't know about nightwing at all yeah, I thought it was mainly female, and then yeah, that one yeah, male. that was the joke. That was that was the joke about it, where like Nightwing joined them for a couple missions. I think I don't know if he was a member of the team, but he's definitely been on missions with them before. But like oh, okay. ha- like like having this this film that is titled for this soup this team of superheroines dominated by by a villain slash antihero that is not a part of the group at all is kind of you know disorienting for as a as a fanboy. But like just as a moviegoer, I really pre- I really enjoyed and appreciated the film. Yeah, the film was great. I think the 
marketing was all off in many different ways. Yeah. 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 That yeah, actually was going to be my next question. What did you guys think of the marketing? But I guess Trash. we're already there. So. <laughs> Trash marketing. Yeah. You could have done so much better with marketing. First of all, like we've already mentioned, the name could have been more Holly Quinn centric to begin with, not weekend two after already premiered. Second of all, those trailers in the beginning that came out were eh. like for a while, I thought this movie was just going to be okay. Because the trailers didn't give me anything like that stood out to me, not anything poppy. And then when I saw the movie, there was all this fun, looks like a bumping soundtrack, great action scenes. So I'm like, why didn't you use this in any of your trailers? There's a huge missed opportunity there. God, yes, the action was fantastic. Oh my God, the action was the action carried the shit out of this movie, and that's even with a really good cast. I have to say, my favorite part of this movie was that last fight scene. Yeah, like that was the a entire great end of that movie is strengthens the fuck out of it because like you know it's coming but you see like good fight scenes the entire movie all the way through but to have one really strong one from start to finish and it just closes a movie it's beautiful that's what art is thank you to the john wick stunt team oh shit that was them yeah those guys they came in clutch, yep. to me it's like what marketing because with the joker movie the way that they built the anticipation was by making it an event whereas with birds of prey i feel like it was from the beginning it was marketed as a a niche type of movie. You know what? Here, here's how I'm going to say this. I agree with Austin that they market this as a niche movie. I I openly disagree with the idea that they sh- should have done that, though, because this movie cost either $82 million or $100 million or somewhere in between. And I don't know if you can just market a movie like that as a niche movie. Maybe if this movie costs like 40 mil, you can pull that off. But like, yeah, it was like whew. an indie or something. Yeah, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. Get out was niche yeah get out was niche the joker movie technically was a niche movie if you could make that argument true yeah but that one had i think stronger marketing overall and yeah. had some really strong names attached to it yeah, yeah, yeah like they were when, trying to get an oscar off of that from the jump when the first joker trailer came out it was something that a lot of people were talking about I mean, it was it was probably trending on Twitter, whereas the first Birds of Prey uh, trailer, again, there was just the diehard DC fans and maybe a few hundred people after that. Yeah, little so, to no chatter about it. Right. Honestly, I don't remember that movie trending on Twitter until it came out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, totally Joker agree, was yeah. trending on Twitter for weeks on end because there were a contingent of people who really did not want to watch this movie about a white man and his mental health issues and not taking care of himself and like setting a bad example but like birds of prey i honestly i remember when the first trailer dropped and i was like okay this might be good but then i like went and looked on twitter and nobody was talking about it really and then yeah the first weekend that movie came out is when i saw it trending on twitter and then the next week people were talking about the name change to harley quinn and the birds of prey and how that needed to be done originally and yeah that's effectively it like this movie kind of for how good this movie was it ran out of gas very quickly. Now, here's an interesting take that I don't know. I don't, I don't know if anybody's brought this up, and I don't even know if it's right or wrong. I wonder if the weekend it came out is part of the problem as well, because you know what else was that weekend? The Oscars. And the reason I bring that up is because I know a lot of people, at least at least amongst my social circle, the weekend before the Oscars, is if they go to the theater on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday before the Oscars, it's because they're trying to catch up on some of the nominees before the actual Oscars happen on Sunday night, some of the nominees they haven't seen. Plus, usually around that time, the end of January and beginning of February, there's a lot of movies that come back to theaters like theaters movies from months ago they come back to theaters right before the oscars so there's a lot of other competition that weekend and you know maybe this is just my social circle maybe the average movie going audience isn't really thinking about that 
but I definitely know a lot of people I know when they went to the theater that weekend, they were trying to see other movies like Parasite or like, you know, uh, 1917 or whatever else right before the Oscars came out or even Joker. Joker came back to theaters in January and February. So like coming out the same weekend as the Oscars, I don't know if that's like the best move. I'm not sure how much a role that played because I don't think most of those, the Oscar films that make a comeback, make a wide release comeback until after they know what awards they've gotten because they use that as part of their marketing. So like that first weekend, it should have been a safe weekend for them. Anything else after that is fair game. I and I, I totally agree. But I don't know if it that I don't know if that direct weekend actually. I I don't know how much or how little it, it affected it. Interesting. Interesting. Up when 1917 dropped because I remember it was still in theaters. Yeah, it, I think it was on January Day. that had a wide release. Christmas Day I think was limited release, and then January was like a wide release. Yeah, they have to do that limited release in LA in in December. Otherwise, it's not eligible for the Oscars. For any movie, it has to come out in December before December 31st in LA at least qualify. But yeah, yeah, it has yeah. to be LA and and or new york right yes because that's how um the oj documentary that's how they got oscar uh. eligible because they went and they did one screening like i think maybe in november of the year they dropped it just to get eligible for an oscar and they also got eligible for an emmy and they wound up winning both and then people were like yo you can't be doing that so now we're gonna close the door on this oh interesting what what loophole did they close now they closed the loophole of you can do both basically get an oscar and an emmy for the same project so like how how, how does it close i mean like 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 can you only get an emmy or can you only get an oscar i think that they blatantly just made it so that if you go and you put a project out on television you can't if you still put it in theaters they're not gonna make you eligible for a film for an academy award i wonder how that's gonna affect things for next year's oscars then because considering that a lot of movies these days are coming straight to on demand or, or, or for purchase on demand i mean you know like universal's doing that with some of its movies this month and next month and everything i wonder what i was happen. thinking about that the other day and i think it's like the netflix thing i think that movies are going to be fine i think that like documentary series if they try to pull that again that's where they're going to try and like stop that short and uh make sure that that doesn't happen again in that scope but honestly we live in the era of corona anything is possible they're gonna have to go and start making some exceptions like they're a university out here you know <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah that sounds about yeah. right <laughs> yeah all right does anybody else have anything they wanted to discuss on this movie any questions well yeah well i actually actually do have a question for all of you guys who whoever is best suited to answer just because like i said before i'm not even a huge dc guy i'm just wondering for you guys who are dc fans and you know way more about these characters than i do how did they really do the uh i guess transition from comic book page to to movie screen in terms of like adapting these characters like one thing for example i know is that cassandra kane as far as i know wasn't actually having that much of an age difference with the other characters from what i heard things of that nature like like exactly what did what did you like or dislike about the adaptation aspect of it and how well that was done well i know for me that was mainly my only gripe with the movie that i wish there was a little more comic book accuracy overall like for example i had wished black mask had gotten his black mask on sooner and we saw you mcgregor with it for a longer period of time and we had a reason for him to put it on other than just like he just put it on for the final showdown because never really explained just some like vague smn references here and there but no real reason why he decides to put on the black mask all of a sudden just because his character in the comic book says uh, i think for cassandra kane like you said they took a lot of liberties with that character to the point that's ba- basically she's a completely different character than what we see in the comics as far as like, she there's no sign of her becoming batgirl in this movie from what we can tell i think it, a simple 
simple change would have been to just change the character's name to something else. Like I found this character named Sin, which is also a pickpocket that worked with Black Canary from the comics. They could have just changed the character's name to that and it would have worked well for the movie. It would have fit better for that character overall. I think he just wanted to have a Batgirl, a quote unquote Batgirl in this movie for the Birds of Prey. And other than that, like some of the other costumes, especially for the birds, uh, Black Canary, Huntress, and Harley, I wish they would have been a little more comic book accurate overall. But again, that's just my minor gripe with the movie. Does a little more comic book accurate mean showing more skin? No, just no. comic book accurate. Like <laughs> Harley wearing red and, red and blue or black and red. Black Canary wearing a leather black leather jacket with maybe some fishnets. Huntress wearing a mask from the beginning since she's supposed to be the crossbow killer that would have made more sense to hide her identity from the jump. Yeah. Yeah, I God, actually God. really like I really like the costumes that we've been getting in these movies when they're not directly done by men because sometimes just having a lot of skin out there doesn't make any sense. That's yeah. just my two cents about that. Though. Well, yeah. I I think that makes sense too, but I just don't even know anything about these characters. And the reason I ask that question is because I do feel like a lot of comic book characters that were created by men like decades ago do show a lot of skin. So that's what I was wondering whether you meant that or not. But that's now I get it. Man. Yeah. Oh, I completely concur with you, man. Also, I'm a Marvel guy. I I know very little about these characters as well. But I will say this. I really enjoyed Ewan McGregor in this movie as yes. Black Mask. As much as I looked into like Black Mask before watching this because I forgot that he was going to be the villain. And Ewan McGregor just seems like he was just trying to have the most fun possible. Like he clearly did not give a fuck. He was like, oh, you guys want me to oh, yeah. have a weird sexual thing with Chris Mancina? All right, done, done. Listen, I won't jerk him off. But, you know, all, a lot of chest touching. A lot of chest touching. Fancy yeah. suit, I'm in. Yeah, Ian McGregor was pretty good. I, I'm with Jose on the, the comic book accuracy portion. Two of my biggest gripes with the comic book accuracy were w- with Cassandra Kane and with Renee Montoya. Montoya is actually the, the, she's the second question. And she's also, so she's like one of the top DC um, detectives in, in the in the DC universe. A pretty decent fighter as well. So it was kind of weird seeing her just get like wiped the floor with, with from Harley Quinn of all people. And then Cassandra Kane is like the daughter of Lady Shiva, who is the top of assassin in the dc universe so it's like having her just be a common pickpocket and also she's mute so it's like having her be a common pickpocket and then like having all these witty these witty lines and all the stuff like that it's kind of weird from a comic book perspective nothing against the actors and stuff like that and you know for the characters that we got on screen were entertaining just not like really not really it, 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 like jose was saying it is kind of a completely different character costumes I'm, I'm with i'm with chris on though like i know I'm, I'm a guy who likes women but i don't really you know it's not necessarily practical for there to be like a bunch of costumes that just show a bunch of skin and I, I think these costumes actually were kind of cooler and they just kind of made more sense i will say black canary i thought she could do a little more than just kick but at least i i did appreciate that they all had distinct defining styles someone pointed out that the costume for wonder woman during justice league was completely different than her costume in the actual wonder woman movie and it was more or less the idea that the costume that she was wearing in, in they look exactly league, the same they look sim- i think there's supposed to be some small differences like the one in Wonder Woman is actually a body armor as opposed to the one in Justice League which does not look or suit like a body armor at all I don't remember honestly. are you sure you're not thinking about the Amazons oh yes thank you Jose okay yeah that makes that's sense that's it yeah yeah I think that makes that, that makes sense yeah because in Justice League movie the Amazons were wearing like bikini top armor for some reason whereas in the Wonder Woman movie they wore they wore full body armor so I think yeah, yeah that's what Jose people have seen the Snyder Cut and they love it your thoughts I'm just really 
release the damn thing already on HBO Max. Let <laughs> it be over. Just, no, just put it on DC get, Universe. Get Fuck it. it. Who cares? <laughs> you know that thing's have... going away, Brandon. I know it's going lose? away, but still. But still. <laughs> The movie wasn't very good, and, you know, it's not going to be canon. What's the worst that could happen? I have this weird theory that the entire middle of that movie is completely different, but the beginning and the end are the exact same. Like, I just think that some things are just recut differently, and you don't see um, Ezra Miller run as much. Yeah, I kind of have to agree. Also, everyone knows here I'm not the biggest fan of Zack Snyder. I do fundamentally think the Snyder Cut will be a better movie than what we got. I mean, when you have two directors' missions crashing together you're not going to get a good movie. Can't have too many uh, chefs in the kitchen, you know? The Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to make a Solo joke. Solo wasn't as bad as it 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 could have been. Solo Solo was okay. It was okay. Whereas The Rise of Skywalker made me sad. You're saying that because of Gambino. I mean, it helped, didn't it? No, I, no, I, I don't think I don't think Solo was that bad. It was just an unnecessary no, it movie. Bridge. It was just an unnecessary movie. It wasn't. I don't think it was a bad movie. Just unnecessary. We saw Maul again. That was pretty cool. Yeah, but we saw Maul in Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, right. But we saw live action. Yeah, we saw that's that's Maul. that's fair. That's fair. Pulling out his lightsaber for no reason. All right. Honestly, I don't think I have anything else that I want to bring up. Do you guys have anything else you want to bring up before I ask for some ratings? I have but two things. One, I think I think Rosie Perez should have been the assistant DA and that Montoya should have been Michelle Rodriguez and two this movie was as we've already said was more of a backdoor pilot for the Birds of Prey than it was an origin movie so effectively we're still waiting for our Birds of Prey origin movie but I still like the movie for me I'd rather just see these characters in other movies like I don't need another Birds of Prey movie I'd rather see Black Canary in a Green Arrow movie I'm more than happy to see Harley Quinn in another Suicide Squad movie not directed by David Ayer and not starring Jared Leto and yeah the other characters I mean for Cassie Kane, that's not going to be a Batgirl. Huntress and Renee Montoya, I'm okay if I don't see those characters again. Austin, do you have anything you would like to contribute? I personally would appreciate a second Birds of Prey movie. Maybe with, uh, maybe Harley could be the villain, and then it could be Huntress, Black Canary, and maybe they introduce Batgirl. Who knows? That would be pretty cool. Ooh. Wait, isn't the director actually doing the Batgirl movie as well? You're thinking of the writer, Christine Hodgson. The, ri- the writer, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's Hodgson who's doing that. The Batgirl she movie and the Flash movie. Also. Oh, yeah. She is doing. Oh, the Flash movie is coming out in 2022. That's that's we'll still see. a thing. Okay, cool. we'll see about that. Yes, yeah, so those new mutants. <laughs> we'll see about hey, that. Because hey, don't you rag on new mutants like that? That movie looks great. It, it looks great, but it's just never coming out. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's every great. movie looks good in the trailers. This movie looks like a straight up horror film, and I love that. Another movie that is looks good in the trailer and is never coming out is No Time to Die. Yeah, No Time to Die doesn't exist in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, hopefully by Thanksgiving, but we'll see. That was going to be my hot take for this episode, so now I have to find a new one. But uh, yeah, No Time to Die doesn't exist in All right, and let's get some ratings on these ones. Uh, Shiva, what do you rate this movie? I'm going to say 8 out of 10. All right. Jose? Actually, I'm also going to go with 8 out of 10. Interesting. Austin? 8.8. Damn, this, this movie's going to college. Uh, Brandon? Damn, now I feel like the bad guy. I gave it a seven. The funny thing is, I thought I was gonna be the highest. I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Ah, yeah, I, I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. I actually really like this movie. It very much surprises me that I really like this movie, but I do. It is what it is. All right, Big City, and we're gonna start off today with Austin. There is a movie on Disney Plus 
called Stargirl, which is about dot, dot, dot. I don't know. It stars <laughs> a boy and a girl, and they go through, my best guess is a conglomerate of all of the cliches of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl of the last 20, 30 years and put it in one one hour and 40 plus minute movie. Is there a plot? I don't really think so. The girl comes out of nowhere, introduces herself to all of these high school kids. By the way, it's a high school setting because of course it is. And she, she plays ukulele. And she plays ukulele. Ah, classic real girl trope. Yep. Falls in love with the main character no idea why, is sympathetic to people but has blind spots, which is the one thing that the movie got right. <laughs> and by the end, I don't know what the point of the movie was or what it was for. Was it for children? Because it's over an hour and a half and most children have the intention span of an hour and a half, if that. Is it for middle school, high school kids? Maybe. It depends on how corny you are at the time. Is it for adults? Hell no. So I think the movie was like corporate's idea of a quick cash grab type deal for Disney Plus could get at without actually having a plot. It was so shallow in its storytelling and plot that I couldn't stop thinking about it because I just wish I could have been in the writer's room so they could just tell me what their vision for the movie was. There have been bad movies I've seen. There have been good movies I've seen. But this is the first movie I've seen where I have no idea what the point of it even was. I've seen The Room, and The Room is a better movie. <laughs> Lisa, you're tearing me apart. In conclusion, characters don't grow, nothing really happens, none of the characters' choices make sense, and you're left with more questions than answers by the time you're done with it. This is a five-star TED Talk. Thank you very much. You can join my Patreon at dot dot dot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Austin, I thought you were going to add in as a, as a second hot take. Fuck Josh dad but okay <laughs> yeah i know it's a little disappointing <laughs> i'll say this about josh gad when he put on the crying twitter video it made me angry it made me cringe and it made me wonder how much frozen disney money he had that he could have used to help buy supplies for first responders type people i mean that would be a start instead of crying and he's doing literally nothing rich. yeah he's not just rich He's, he's Disney rich, like you said, Chris, on her messages. Yeah, like those frozen checks are cutting different. Like Kristen Bell, yeah, her life is completely changed financially. Like she does not have to worry that anymore. So I would imagine that Josh Gad is in the same boat. Do you know how many cartoon shorts there are from Frozen? Yes. A shit a ton. Shiba, how about you? All right, guys, this is going to sound a little crazy, but he, that's why it's called a hot take. My hot take for today is... Birds of Prey is the funniest superhero movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that very easily. And I'm even comparing it to the two other main R-rated ones that everyone talks about, Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Birds of Prey was funnier than both of them. I'm not going to say funnier than both of them combined. But I'm going to say funnier than both of them individually. Who knows if it's recency bias, but that was truly how much I enjoyed Birds of Prey. 
Yeah. Wow. Dude, you don't follow Shabazz forever Twitter forever. enough. That's what your <laughs> issue is. Apparently His not. Twitter is popping. But thank you for that hot take. All right. And everybody, where can we find you? Shiva. You can find me on Twitter at Massey Forum. That's spelled M A S E E H, the number four A L U M on Twitter. Thanks. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for always contributing. Austin, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter at ADW Austin, and I'm on Instagram at AHALL3234. So that's AHALL3234. And I'm on Facebook, but I don't have a fan page yet, so sorry. That's all right. I'd, I'd be surprised if you did, honestly. Uh, Jose, where can the people find you at? The people can find me on Twitter at S-H-1-T-J-A-Y-L-O-W-S-A-Y-S and on Instagram at J-D-L-A-92. Thanks, man. And Brandon, where can people find you on the socials? So for Twitter, people can find me at B-C-K-E-S-S-O and on Instagram at L-D-Chocolate. The fact that he still has that is personally impressive to me. And you can find me, Christopher Walker, at CWLKR20 on Twitter and Instagram. And that's our show today. And now for the fact check. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn was only called Harley Quinn Birds of Prey in theaters and antiquity services on its second week of its release, but the movie maintained its original name within the movie itself and in video and DVD releases. Harley Quinn does not have DID or dissociative identity disorder per se, but she does occasionally hear voices in her head. In the comics, the Birds of Prey have had a few male heroes join the team in the past, including Hawk from Hawk and Dove, and are aided by male heroes such as Nightwing, Wildcat, and Blue Beetle for a few missions. The Academy Awards did in fact make a rule after the OJ Made in America documentary won that any multi-part or limited series is not eligible for documented categories, but an exception might be made this year for what films are eligible for Oscars overall due to coronavirus character of Sin in the comics was actually not a pickpocket, but a martial arts prodigy who was being groomed to become the next Lady Shiva and was raised by Black Canary after she decided to leave the Birds of Prey. Counterpart version of this character in the TV show Arrow did help Black Canary and then thief Roy Harper from time to time. And that's all folks, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Nerdcraft Nation is a partner of Pub Square Media and is hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Brandon Kessely, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Ferris. Today's artwork is from Night Owl Joe. If you would like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdcraft Nation. Like us on Facebook or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Be sure to leave a review if you can. If you would like to send us a voice message, please check our show notes for a link to our voicemail inbox.